Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachna. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm Tim Hayes. I'm your host for the first hour. And today is Thursday, July 13th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who's joining us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say Start Here in the upper left-hand corner, it will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again?, And that chapter of that book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for almost 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. It's a simple PDF file. Click the link, download it, print it off, copy it as often as you'd like, and use it over and over again absolutely free. You can also go to your app store and type in the three words, Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. If you choose to do that before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process, and it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. And we help people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively apply these tools in their lives. And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. If you have any of those to share with us, we would greatly appreciate you doing so by giving us a call at 563-999-3581 and press 1 on the phone. Or send me an email at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org or email genie at J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. 
If you do that, it, it will um, talk about, address comments, questions, etc. on the Internet show, and then as time allows, send you notification about what day and time that was addressed so you can listen back to the archives for your input. And we greatly appreciate whenever anybody calls in or sends us an email because that makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention we have with this work is to be a service. And if you would let us know how these things are landing for you, what's um, working for you, what's not working for you, it makes it far easier for us to live into that intention. And I have to offer apologies to anybody who's trying to get into the chat room because it's not working today. Um, it has been such a spotty record in terms of the technology. Involved with the chat room that I rarely get anybody who's logged in on the chat room these days. So we have to rely on feedback from people through the phone or email. And um, if you weren't here yesterday, I will just alert you to the fact that Susan Bingham did yet another worksheet yesterday, so there's another example of how this process can unfold. If you need any assistance in processing a worksheet, please let us know. If you want to just listen back to the archives where other people have been stepped through the worksheet process, that's another really productive way to improve your skill set with using these tools. And um, I haven't done it yet. Um, I, I might add that too, but I have already posted the edited version of the show from last Friday where Susan Bingham was stepped through an entire worksheet process. And that's on the website, mindshiftersacademy.org, on the best of audio files page. So I will just leave it here for the um, archives. I've had somebody who wasn't very tech-savvy tell me recently that they just found out that the MindShiftersAcademy.org is a separate website and that they had assumed they would go to whyagain.org and then search for the MindShiftersAcademy.org, and that wasn't working for them. So please remember, the MindShiftersAcademy.org is a separate website set up about four years ago to try and expand the exposure to the Michael and Jeannie Rice tools, and the website, the radio show, etc. And at that point, it was... You know, the, the information I was getting from the people that are tech-savvy was the more different websites you have that point back and forth to each other, the more it moves you up in um, search results and improves your traffic. So, 
So mindshiftersacademy.org is a separate website. And I'll mention it again because today's a Thursday and we will have a support group available free through Zoom and all the information you would need to join us or forward that information to somebody else who might be interested in joining us. All that information is available on the separate website, mindshifters, with an S, academy.org. And please remember there's a separate login information page for Tuesdays and a separate login information page for Thursdays. So we have plenty of time for comments, questions, answers, testimonials. I um, I did an interview fairly recently with Sandy Wilder. And Sandy Wilder runs, he calls himself the chief listening officer for the Educare, and it's spelled Educare, E-D-U-C-A-R-E, Educare Unlearning Institute. And in the beginning of that interview, in the unedited portion, I don't believe it's it's in the edited version. But in the beginning of that interview, he asks me if I know about the Enneagram as a tool, as an assessment tool for personality types and styles for dealing with the world, etc. And I told him that I knew of it, but I was not well versed in it, and that several times when I had attempted to learn it, it just seemed gobbledygook to me. It was like me and numbers trying to work on a spreadsheet. Um, Very, very difficult. It goes against my core competencies and organizational skills, etc. And since that interview, I've had three different completely unrelated exposures to the Enneagram. And the most recent, if anybody's interested, is on the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things. And on the podcast, We Can Do Hard Things, these three very bright women interview some phenomenal individuals. And so um, Suzanne Stable... S-U-Z-A-N-N-E and S-T-A-B-I-L-E. Apparently, Suzanne is referred to as the godmother of Enneagrams and has studied them and written about them and taught about them with Richard Rohr. And so there are two interviews that they did with Suzanne. So if you're interested in learning more about the Enneagram, why it might be useful, and how it can be used to develop compassion for others, I would refer you to the We Can Do Hard Things podcast and the two separate podcasts involving Suzanne Stable, more Stabile. 
I don't know how to pronounce her last name. Um, I believe the um, the episode number is 226 and 227, if that helps any. So, 563-999-3581. Again, I will put out the request. If you know somebody that you think it would be good for me to interview for the On Your Mind podcast or the Mind Shifters radio show, I would be happy to explore that. Um, I recently had somebody that was trying to get me to take a look at a book by Stephen. His last name is coming up here. Stephen Jacobs. And the title is Mental Illness. Subtitle is A Support Guide for Families and Friends. And so I've scheduled uh, an interview with him later in August. He's going to be traveling until then. But that's just another good example. Here's somebody who was married to a person and the other, their partner, their wife, went through a mental health crisis and he's an intelligent person and he had a history of doing meditation from the, with, you know, a la transcendental meditation, the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. So rather than attacking his partner or instantly abandoning his partner, he looked for help and found that there wasn't that much help for people who have a family member who are going through this. And he learned a lot of things and wrote a book about it. And so that's the kind of thing that's a wonderful resource for me. If you know something like that or you know somebody that does their own podcast about that or has written a book about that kind of thing, anything to do with mental health and the family and relationships, I'd be more than happy to explore trying to get them interviewed for the On Your Mind podcast and or the Mind Shifters Radio. So we have plenty of time for comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. What is on your mind? How can we support you today? 563-999-3581. And if nobody raises a hand, I will go move into uh, back to the essays from A Walk in the Physical. We, um, the last one we read was titled Search for Wholeness. And um, the essence of that is that we're already whole and yet we don't realize that from our acculturation and our family and our training. So we're searching outside of ourselves for something. 520, is this Audrey? Yes, it is. Hi. Welcome. Yes, I'd like to share an experience. 
Okay. Last night, um, I just could not go to sleep due to sensations in my stomach. And I'm going to term it a stomach ache. And, oh, what am I going to do? I'm laying in bed. Here it is, about 3 in the morning. What am I going to do in the 3 in the morning? So I went to the Internet, and I put in the Mind Shifters Academy, and I listened to um, you working with a, um, a person, and it happened to be Susan. And in the discussion, uh, you spoke about the emotion, the emotion code, um, and I forget his name. Um, could you refresh my memory right now? Dr. Bradley Nelson? Yes. I plugged that in, and I was listening to him on YouTube. And and I'm saying, wait a minute. He's saying the same thing that Dr. Tim is saying, that Dr. Rice is saying. Um, I have an energetic block. All right? So I began doing the tapping. And lo and behold, I did it. <clears throat> I, each time I did it, I was experiencing less and less of a sensation. I did it about four times. And lo and behold, it dissipated. And I'm saying, wait a minute. This, I can see how this works. And I could put the puzzle pieces together when I hear the term physician heal thyself. And I just wanted to um, give a testimonial in my case that it absolutely works. And I wasn't just reading about it. Reading about it doesn't do it to me. I engage in doing my inner work and the healing takes place. So I wanted to share that, and thank you. Well, excellent. Thank you. I'm glad that you were willing to put it to use, and I'm glad it served good good purpose for you. Yes. And on on top of that, if there's any that comes back, you might, uh, you know, peg the thoughts and the emotions and put them on a worksheet and, and release even more energy. Oh, you're going to exactly, exactly this morning because I had some thoughts, and I'm saying, wait a minute, these thoughts are articul- articulating exactly to the experience, and I said, that's it. Now, time for the worksho- worksheet, and that's what I plan on doing. Thank you. All right. You're very welcome. Thank you for the call. Blessings. So 563-999-3581. Thank you for the call, Audrey, and the testimonial. I'm glad to hear it's working for you. And back to what we were looking at in the search for wholeness, um, that essay talks about how we are fooled or tricked into thinking that we are not whole and complete just as we are, and we're distracted by the, the world of form, and so we start chasing out 
outside of ourselves all kinds of different forms, whether it's people or drugs or thoughts or beliefs. And um, it ends up distracting us from our true nature. It ends up being the wild goose chase and letting go of form and our obsession with form is the only way to get what we say we want, which is to actually come into a different relationship with the truth of what is. So essay 135 is titled The Deepening of Experience Through Focus. And the essay reads, Because consciousness is fundamental, that's the baseline of all that is, there is always a result when it directs itself towards something. The focus of consciousness itself has an effect, is a creative force. Focus tends to deepen that which has been focused upon. The more we focus on the physical, the deeper we go into the experience of it. The more we focus on one way of thinking, the more real it becomes. The more we repeat a belief to ourselves, the more real it becomes. The more we spend time in a culture, the more that culture becomes normalized to us. Through our focus, we wear pathways into the fresh wilderness of conscious experience and then we experience reality just as those pathways it's important at times then to pause and appraise what are we focused on so that we can make a conscious decision to shift our focus practicing this allows us to gain control of what we are experiencing often though we must do so from a place of significant, previously established momentum. Sometimes the pathways of our identity, thoughts, and beliefs are so worn into our experience that we lose sight of them completely. So as we work to more consciously reclaim our focus and forge new paths in the grass, it's important to give ourselves permission to release all assumptions and all requirements. Our deepest beliefs about reality may not be true. And even if that's so, they will often appear as facts. We need to give ourselves permission to relinquish even the facts. The truth of our being is perfect love, joy, creativity, and freedom. So as we move more consciously to choose where to place our focus, we become and we benefit mightily from choosing new paths that follow the, the path of joy, love, creativity, and freedom. Do you know that you are worthy of doing so? If not, please be reminded of that now. You are deeply and profoundly worthy. 
Do you know that you're permitted to consciously choose where to focus and what to believe? You are completely allowed to choose where to focus and what to believe. No matter what your circumstances, you're allowed to focus on that which you deem to be full of love, joy, creativity, and freedom. This is so close to that. Two things I want to tell you, and they're written down and I hand them out to people, because for whatever reason when I say this, people say, wait a minute, that, that's kind of complicated. Is this written down someplace? Here are those two things. The first thing is I say you have the infinite capacity to choose the focus of your conscious awareness in each new present moment. The second thing I want to tell you is it is the focus of your conscious awareness in each new present moment that actually creates your experience of life in that moment. That's exactly what's being said in this last paragraph. You are permitted to consciously choose where to focus and what to believe. The essay goes on and says, this is not a process of avoidance or escape from some, quote, reality of suffering, close quotes. Rather, even as we choose our focus, we can simultaneously fully accept all that we have previously rejected. We can do this because all experience is ultimately rooted in love and joy. To put it another way, while perspectives of suffering are valid, ultimately they are incomplete. They're incomplete in that they actually fall short of the broader foundation of love and joy that is fundamental, that is native, that is bedrock to all experience. Whether we are consciously aware of that or not, we can benefit from utilizing the power that is available to us to choose a focus that is more in alignment with that enduring foundation of love and joy. And as we do so, our new focus will begin to wear new pathways in our brains, in our thought processes, in our neurons. And our actual experience will gradually brighten to match that new focus. You have the infinite capacity to choose the focus of your conscious awareness in each new present moment. And it is the focus of your conscious awareness in each new present moment that actually creates your experience of life in that moment. Please remember, at any time during this, any of these readings, we welcome people to call in at 563-999-3581 and press 1 on your phone. And or send us an email. TJH at mindshifters-academy.org. The next essay is titled, Spirituality is Beyond One Direction. 
And the essay reads, The pursuit of the transcendent and formless does not mean rejecting the world of form for the sake of the transcendent. Rather, form is a part of that which is transcendent. Formlessness and the unity of our being is in all things. It's not over there and not over here. This is important because as beings who are currently focused in an experience of duality, we often believe that pursuing spirituality is about pursuing something or some things to the exclusion of other things. We often believe spirituality is about moving in only one direction. And we confuse that which we seek with those things themselves. To the duality-conditioned intellect, it can often be beneficial to select some form, some belief or some behavior, to move towards at the expense of others. But ultimately, the move towards the unity of our being cannot be the movement in a certain direction. We cannot pit form against form and then find unity. All forms that exist do so within the context of the much broader fundamental reality that you might call love, wisdom, freedom, and joy. As we search for that joy, it is not the forms we seek. It's not some destination, not some this, but not that. Rather, we seek that which is already fundamental and always present. We seek that which seems to have vanished before us as we were brought into this dense world of form and we are wrapped with all of our many interpretations about this dense world of form. The truth is, what we seek is not in one thing and not in another thing. What we seek is the fabric of our native, fundamental, bedrock essence of beingness itself. The living essence of our awareness that beholds all things, which is the same living essence in all things everywhere. And that awareness is closer to you than your own breath. It cannot go anywhere. It follows you wherever you go. Nay, it is you, and you are it. You are awareness. You are part of the fundamental fabric of existence and being. This actuality is with you in all directions that you choose, all the efforts that you make all the experience, all the pain, all the pleasure. And your search for that is not a search of choosing the right forms or of dividing and striving 
but it is a move towards complete and total perfect genuineness in meeting the present moment. Whatever directions you have chosen before, allow yourself to meet the now moment deeply, fully, completely. Meet the now moment in the naked truth of the real present moment and become aware of the light of being that is you, that is consciousness, which always shines in the moment. That is pretty much the opposite of what our culture teaches us as it focuses exclusively on the physical. So the next essay is titled, To Know It, You Must Be It. And this essay reads, The only way for spirit to know what it is like to be a human is to be a human. No amount of talking about riding a horse gives you the experience of riding a horse. No amount of descriptions of chocolate ice cream give you the experience of eating chocolate ice cream. The only way for the spirit to experientially learn how to successfully express its true nature in a world of flesh is to be in a world of flesh. You cannot truly learn how to do something by watching someone else do it. You must do it yourself. You cannot truly know what it is like to be something unless you are that something. This is why the human experience is so real. Spirit chooses to do its best to, quote, actually become close quotes, that which it wishes to truly experience. That is why we have the veil of forgetfulness. That is why we can't remember our true essence. And we can't remember that we had existence prior to taking on a physical body. The essay goes on and says, if you do not remember your higher nature while you are human, <clears throat> that is okay. Not only is it okay, it's actually wonderful. It means that you have successfully arrived at an experience of being whoever and whatever you think you are right now. And in this context of the bigger picture, that experience is a gift. Simultaneously, if you wish to, it is also your birthright to wake up to who you really are. You have committed to your walk in the physical beneath the veil. And the veil is effective. However, that doesn't mean you aren't still far more than your physical life. Indeed, even right now, what you really are 
vastly exceeds the confines of your human experience. So, while you have come to experience all that being human entails, you are not required to lose yourself completely within the forms that you are currently associating. You are actually far, far more than that which you have chosen to be in this life on earth. Your true identity remains. In the meantime, while the human experience remains thick and firm, please honor yourself for your choice, even a choice that you may not remember. For to know what it is like to be human, you had to actually be human. And that is a most celebrated and awe-inspiring choice indeed. Five six three nine 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 three five eight one. If you call that number and press one, it'll put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I will turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. How is this landing for you? Does this make any sense at all? We have plenty of time for comments and questions. I have, my head is buzzing with the ideas that have come from this and several other readings and listenings that I've been doing in the past couple of days, including the idea of um, several resources about emotions and the more difficult emotions and Miriam Greenspan wrote a book, Healing Through the Dark Emotions, which has been recommended to me. And I, I won't recommend that book yet, but I, because I'm just beginning to listen to it. And it's about a 13-hour listen, so I'm not going to be done with it overnight. And yet, it comes highly recommended from someone that I know to be very bright and very attuned to their own personal spiritual work. And in the beginning, they're talking about learning that as I run away from any of my emotions, because I've labeled them unpleasant or they seem difficult, I lose information. I cut myself off from the flow of life. I narrow down my life experience. And all of it, is useful. All of it is good feedback. Like Michael Rice says, even if I experience it as pain or discomfort, it serves the purpose of helping my ears grow, helping me become aware of what I need to get healthier, to be more directly connected to life in the moment. I can't be more directly connected to life in the moment 
if I dissociate, you know, there's a, a, a number of people who've been on the podcast like the uh, We Can Do Hard Things podcast, and uh, Megan Rapinoe, who is a you know World Cup soccer player, was on recently and talking about how. It, she would be playing and have the President of the United States tweet some hate tweet toward her and just not let it bother her at all. And there is a, a, a point at which she assumed that's just because she's so healthy. But what she's learned since then is she was blocking, dissociating, splitting off, and she wasn't exactly connected to the process of life in the moment and the traumas of her past and what it was resonating. And so she wasn't as healthy, anywhere near as healthy as she had imagined. And the more she gets healthy, the more she realizes what she was isolating from, dissociating from, cutting herself off from. And the more she sees that there's work for her to do. Well, there are tools that allow that work, tools like the EFT tapping that Audrey called in earlier today to talk about and give a testimonial for, tools like the Reality Management Worksheet that Susan did last Thursday and then did another one, or last Friday, and then another one yesterday. And these tools, when applied, as Michael Rice would say, persistently and consistently, can usher us into a new experience of being. And just like this essay that I just read, being is the key. I must be something in order to know about it. I can't just... This is basically a direct quote from what Audrey said earlier. Just reading about EFT tapping didn't do anything for her. Just reading about the emotion code work didn't do anything for her. When she started doing the EFT tapping, her energy shifted, her discomfort left, etc. Since no one has a hand up, I'll just keep reading. Essay 138 is titled, Your Destination is Joy. And the essay reads, no matter a given experience of physicality, ultimately, all consciousness returns to joy. Joy is the spirit's true nature. It is its fabric. It is its native state. Your destiny is joy beyond physical imagining. This is what the sidebar. This is what Michael Singer talks about. This is what the yogis tap into when they're aligned, when they're allowing, when they're in the flow, when they're observing life without resisting it, when they're directly, consciously connected to their true nature. So this says, your destiny is joy beyond physical imagining. 
If it's beyond physical imagining, it's also going to be beyond, be beyond words. We don't need to keep trying to find words to express it. There are no words that will express something that is beyond physical imagining. And yet, the essay goes on and says, that is where you are inevitably headed. No matter how the forms of reality may have bunched up around you at the moment, those forms are made of the same fabric of this joy, of this love, of this freedom, even if they do not appear to be. The present moment is beautiful and gentle. It is willing to touch you when you are willing to let go of your stories about it. The ability to experience strong sensory data in parentheses, they say here, for example, pain, close parentheses, or the ability to experience the interpretations that you have put upon your circumstances, these abilities do not reduce the fidelity, the quality, the essence of the native joy that gives rise to such experiences. The experiences of form, including sensory experiences, are given interpretations by the mind. And yet these will pass. But the truth of being does not pass. Since that truth of being is untold joy, peace, freedom, and love, you cannot help but return to that joy, peace, freedom, and love as the forms that you are associated with pass away. Your destination is joy. So while you are on your walk in the world of form, take heart and allow your native joy to rise up and shine through you. For your true being is ever-present, is your fundamental truth and your true nature. And that remains the case even when the forms may seem on the surface to be opaque, uncomfortable, and insurmountable. Your true nature, your essence, the consciousness itself is rooted in joy and love and freedom. Again, the word freedom here is used in the way Michael Rice would use the word liberty. And so it's not free in the way that whatever you choose has no consequences. It's just that you're, you're at liberty to choose whatever you would like to choose. And you have that freedom. You have that liberty to choose. You have the, the flow to choose. And you'll be able to, as you increasingly move yourself further on this kind of a spiritual path, you'll be able to sit back and observe the consequences of those choices and enjoy them, in quotes, enjoy, close quotes, appreciate them, even if the next moment you decide, I would prefer not to continue that. So you can make choices that you might label 
from the cultural or the family perspective as as wrong or as a mistake, and yet they're, it's just part of the flow of life. And it yields a result, and when you step back and see the result and you say, I would prefer not to have that again, then you choose differently the next time. You choose more for love. You choose more for liberty, more for joy. So the next essay is 139, titled The Unrealness of Paradox. And the essay reads, Paradox Happens when perspective is incomplete. This is so important. Every paradox you experience is the result of an incomplete perspective. Why do we experience paradox? Because as Michael Rice likes to quote the Harvard research that says, in a period of time that 10,000 units of electrical activity are firing in the frontal lobes of your brain, your conscious mind can be aware of about nine single individual bits. In that same period of time, it's a conservative estimate that there's over 20 trillion bits of data hitting your senses. So in a 20 trillion bit world, your brain processes 10,000 and you're able to be aware of nine. That's that's a a technical set of parameters for what this essay just said, that any time you experience a paradox, it's because your perspective is so limited. It can't get a whole lot more limited than only being able to be aware of nine individual bits of data when your brain is processing 10,000 and there's 20 trillion hitting your senses. That's pretty gosh darn limited. Every paradox we experience is the result of an incomplete picture. Back in 2014 or 2015, Dr. Michael Rice came to visit us in Woodstock, Illinois, and in the middle of that visit, he was here for the entire week, and in the middle of that visit, he had one of these uh, divine inspirations or something came to him in meditation, whatever, and, and he started talking about it in his um, workshops for the rest of the week. And the image he had was this image of this 500,000-piece jigsaw puzzle, and we have maybe 50 pieces of the puzzle and we have not seen the box cover, which has the finished product picture on it. So we're sitting here with 50, or if you want to be generous, 500 jigsaw puzzle pieces. But to complete the picture, there's over 500,000 pieces. And we're sitting here with 50 pieces, or you want to be generous, 500 pieces, and we arrange them in a way that makes some sense to us, and we think we know what's going on. Every time you experience a paradox, it is because your perception is limited. The essay goes on and says, paradox only happens from the limited human perspective within form. In truth, there is no paradox. There can be no paradox. 
all things occur in accordance with the purposeful and fully coherent movement of capital L life. This is like Byron Katie's work. If you listen to enough of her lectures or read enough of her books, she'll talk about how she came to the realization that anything that's already happened in her life is perfect. How can she know that? Because it happened. It was perfect just the way it happened. The essay goes on and says, the, quote, laws, close quotes, of God, including the laws that govern the operation of realities, these laws, these natural laws, work perfectly and inexorably. Dr. Michael Rice talks about this and says, you can't break a natural law. You can try to pretend it doesn't work the way it works, and then you crash into it and you get broken, but the law is never broken. You don't break the law of gravity when you jump off a building expecting to fly. You get broken when you hit solid ground or some other object in your way. Gravity just does what it does, and gravity is not doing it to be angry at you. Oh, how dare you try to fly? Gravity doesn't have that kind of an operation. It just functions perfectly and inexorably. The SSA goes on and says, there is never a moment that is not governed by these laws' perfect execution, even within many levels of complexity and even within many different reality systems. When they are viewed from a, quote, local, close quotes, vantage point, however, it can appear to the philosophical form-based and duality-conditioned mind that two forms, two parts of reality, contradict. This is only an error of belief in form as fundamental. If you believe form is fundamental, it's an error. There's a lot more going on here than you can know about with your conscious, logical mind. So, this, as you experience a paradox, it is only an error of belief in form as fundamental. In fact, the experience of apparently discrete form is birthed, is given rise to from something much greater. There's a lot more going on here than this physical realm. The last paragraph in this essay reads, Beneath the thinking mind, the deeper parts of you are always connected to that which we call, quote, something greater, close quotes. When you are willing to let go of the local human content, and truly look within the depths of your consciousness itself, the intellectual contradictions have a chance to fall away into the vastness of being, that same being within which they seem to arise. This, that last bit reminds me of reading in The Way of Mastery how Yeshua talks about as a boy he learned to see the shimmering radiance behind all things 
And he asked increasingly to be shown how to see only that shimmering radiance, how to see life only the way the Creator would see life, to view his life experience through the eyes of source energy is another way to talk about it. So there's a lot more going on here than we know about, and any time we generate an experience that seems upsetting or paradoxical, it's because we have an extraordinarily limited view and our perception is, as Dr. Michael Rice would say, probably of um, the picture we've created from 50 or maybe 500 puzzle pieces when the actual thing we're looking at, the actuality of life, is composed of 500,000 or 5 billion or 5 trillion pieces. And that's the only reason it seems to us to be upsetting and painful and wrong or or paradoxical or because we're only using five of the senses that we have. If you've got 12 cranial nerves, maybe you've got 12 different ways to experience the world. Maybe the sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch, those five senses, are just five of 12. Maybe it's five of 500,000 different ways to experience the world, but we're not trained in that. So how do we move closer to experiencing life on life's terms? The best way I know so far is to recognize that any any urge in me to get tight or tense or constrict or contract, any urge in me to label bad, good, wrong, up, down, as separate, any emotional experience I have, whether it's physical pain or mental emotional discomfort, is best used by me as an alarm bell going off telling me there's something in error in the way I'm applying thought and perception and reaching conclusions in this moment. And the more I soften and breathe and step back from that, cancel everything that I think I want, my trifling treasures put away, and ask to be shown a better, different, more integrated way to experience life in the moment, the more I do that, the better my life gets. And I can do that one moment at a time, one worksheet at a time, one EFT tapping session at a time, etc. That takes us pretty much to the end of our hour. I will remind us all that we come from love. We're made of this stuff we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I'll welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. What are the essays from that you're reading? This is the book, A Walk in the Physical, by Christian Sundberg. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Thank you. And I have have not been able to have the... uh, chat room functional for days now so um oh, okay it, it it tells me to check my internet connection but everything else about my internet connection is working so so yeah i hope you have a wonderful show 
Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for playing the show yesterday at the last moment. <laughs> well, you're welcome and deserving. I had uh, somebody join our Tuesday night support group from that one of those things you're doing with the book club. Her name was Julia. Right. She was there for I don't know how long, but then she she jumped off before the end, so I didn't get any contact information from her. But just thought I'd let you know at least one person from awesome. there checked out the support group. And she came in at least an hour late, maybe an hour and a half late. And um, so it was probably hard for her to understand what was going on. But Right. All right. Have a great show. Thanks. Okay. Thank you. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. And today is Thursday, July the 13th, 2023. And our calling number is 563 nine 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 three five eight one and press one and that puts you into queue to talk to us and we would love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And I'll welcome Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and welcome everybody. Delighted that you're here with us once again for this conversation and uh, that we get to uh, to interact. I'm excited to see what unfolds today, what kind of thoughts, what kind of questions show up. I uh, I appreciate everyone who pushes one and interacts with some kind of question because I always get to look into another perspective, another way of understanding this material and it's just, you know, it's really been the lifeblood of developing and comprehending this work over the last 50 years. So pretty excited about that. So you want to, is we got everybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room, sweetheart? Nope, it is all quiet on this end. Okay. Well, if there's nobody with a hand up, why don't we just rock and roll with uh, with your reading? Okay, this is um, for those who maybe uh, haven't been with us. We're reading out of The Untethered Soul by Michael Singer. We're getting close to the end of it. Um We are in Chapter 14, which is called Letting Go of False Solidity. And it was about learning to watch your mind and acknowledge, you know, what it takes to just let go and to realize, you know, get to the point and realize you don't want your model anymore, your reality that you've created, that you want something different and that you are not your thoughts or your feelings. Yes, you're experiencing them, but that's not who you are. And so we'll go on and read, and it says, of course this will be painful. The reason you built the whole mental structure was to avoid pain. If you let it fall apart, you're going to feel the pain that you were avoiding when you built it. You must be willing to face the pain. Uh huh. Actually, just a simple refinement, but it's an important one because it can help people to move through it much more quickly and easily, and that is... It actually isn't painful at all, but what happens is you get in touch with the memories of pain that you haven't resolved yet. And once you realize that and that the key to dissolving that pain is that you develop the capacity to bring love present, to bring love forward into your mind and understand that there is literally a power in you that Yeshua described in Aramaic as Ruka de Kutsha, 
and defined in Aramaic as an elemental force that undoes the effects of your errors and teaches you the truth. And many people will say, well, I just don't know how to let go. Well, actually, you don't have to let go. Yeshua gave us a technology. It was called forgiveness. So you don't have to figure out how if you've got uh, an issue that, you know, you're, you've been holding. If you've ever done the old uh, parlor trick, you know, where you grab a broomstick and you hold tight to the broomstick for two minutes, then you try to open your fingers. It's like you can't open your fingers. If generations and generations and generations have been holding on to a hate, a fear, a grief, a pain, a trauma, and that's the mental model that you've had given to you and the habit that you've developed, letting go is just about impossible. However, at any given moment, if you are committed to functioning as love, and you notice that something other than love is coming up, there will always be a goal related to what it is that's coming up. So you don't have to know how to let go of the old trauma. You don't have to know how to let go of the spiritual muscle that's holding on to that trauma. All you need to do is cancel the goal that causes the mind to use that buried trauma, data, and construct to form your perception at the moment, to, to create the construct that you have. And when you cancel that goal, the construct collapses and bingo, you're right back to the original energy. And if, if love is present, then whatever it is that needs to be let go of will begin to dissolve. You don't have to know how to let go. So it's, it's not pain that you're going to experience. It's a memory of pain. And a lot of people, you know, we're creators, so we can take a memory of pain and we can recreate it and make it so terrible and traumatic again. Or we can go, oh, here's a memory of pain. I think I'll take a breath. Instead of holding on, instead of locking into that, I think I'll take a breath. <sighs> and it dissolves. So just a, a slight refinement there, but I think an important one. Awesome. Uh, so you must be willing to face this pain. If you were to lock yourself in a fortress because you were afraid to come out, you would have to face that fear if you ever wanted to experience a fuller existence. That fortress would not be protecting you. It would be imprisoning you. To be free, to truly experience life, you must come out. You have to let go and pass through the cleansing process that frees you from your psyche. You do this by simply watching the psyche be the psyche. The way out is through awareness. Stop defining the disturbed mind as a negative experience. Just see if you can relax behind it. When your mind is disturbed, don't ask, what do I do about this? Instead, ask, who am I that notices this? In time, you will come to realize that the center from which you watch disturbance cannot get disturbed. If it appears disturbed, just notice who is noticing that disturbance. Eventually, it will stop. You will then be able to rest back into the depths of your being while watching your mind and heart create 
their last throes of turmoil. When you reach that point, you will understand what it means to be transcendent. Awareness transcends what it is aware of. It is a is, is as separate as light is from what it shines upon, consciousness. And you can free yourself from all of this by relaxing behind it. If you want permanent peace, permanent joy, and permanent happiness, you have to get through to the other side of the inner turmoil. You can experience a life in which waves of love can rush up inside of you anytime you want. It is the nature of your being. You simply have to go to the other side of the psyche. You do that by letting go of the tendency to cling. You do it by not using your mind to build false solidity. You just decide once and for all to take the journey by constantly letting go. At this point, the journey becomes very quick. You will go through the part of you that has always been scared to death, quote-unquote, and you'll see how that part has always struggled to hold it all together. If you don't feed that part, if you just keep letting go and don't let it cling, eventually you will fall behind the false solidity. This is not something you do. It is something that happens to you. Your only way out is the witness, letting go by being aware that you are aware. If you pass through a period of darkness or depression, just ask, who is aware of the darkness? That's how you pass through the different stages of your inner growth. You just keep letting go and remain aware that you are still there. When you've let go of the dark psyche and you've let go of the light psyche and you're no longer clinging to anything, you will reach a point where it will all open up behind you. You are used to being aware of things in front of you. You now become aware of a universe behind your seat of consciousness. It didn't look like there was anything behind you because you were so focused on building your model out of the thoughts and emotions passing before you. There was no awareness of the vast expanse of space inside. Back behind, there is a whole universe. You're just not looking that way. If you're willing to let go, you'll fall back and it will open into an ocean of energy. You will become filled with light. You will become filled with a light that has no darkness, passes all understanding. You will then walk through every moment of your daily life with the flow of this inner force sustaining you, feeding you, and guiding you from deep within. You will still have thoughts, emotions, and a self-concept floating around in inner space, but they will just be a small part of what you experience. You will not identify with anything outside the sense of self. Once you reach this state, you will never have to worry about anything ever again. The forces of creation will create creation, both inside and outside of you. You will float in peace, love, and compassion beyond it all, yet honoring it all. There is no need for false solidity when you are at peace with the universal expanse of your true being. And that's the end of that chapter. Sweet. Well, if you're talking, I can't. Well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, the the biggest thought I have is just that one of recognizing that when we allow ourselves to touch into old pain, it's old pain. And we don't have to re-empower it as pain. We can just recognize it as a memory and and instantly soften let go. If people, what one of the things most people do with pain is they tend to tighten up, lock up, and hold the breath. And so that tends to exacerbate the pain. When pain comes, softening into it, opening, because everything is energy, when opening happens, energy moves, and you know, stuff moves instead of getting stuck in it. So let's move forward. Okay. The next chapter is, um, this part is part five of the book called Living Life. Chapter 15, The Path of Unconditional Happiness. Okay, so we've already started off with, (laughs) so how should that say, the path of eternal happiness, conditional happiness, as we've talked about where the focus is, and even in the word unconditional, the focus is on conditions. So it says the highest spiritual path is life itself. If you know how to live daily life, it all becomes a liberating experience. But first, you have to approach life properly, or it can be very confusing. To begin with, you have to realize that you really only have one choice in this life. And it's not about your career, or whom you want to marry, or whether you want to seek God. People tend to burden themselves with so many choices. But in the end, you can throw it all away and just make one basic underlying decision or choice. Do you want to be happy or do you want or do you not want to be happy? It's really that simple. Once you make that choice, your path through life becomes totally clear. Most people don't dare give themselves that choice because they think it's not under their control. Someone might say, Well, of course I want to be happy, but my wife left me. In other words, they want to be happy, but not if their wife leaves them. That wasn't the question. The question was, very simply, do you want to be happy or not? If you keep it that simple, you will see that it really is under your control. It's just that you have a deep-seated set of preferences that gets in the way. Let's say you've been lost and without food for days, and you finally find your way to a house. You can hardly make it to the doorstep, but you manage to pull yourself up and knock on the door. Somebody opens the door, looks at you and says, Oh my God, you poor thing. Do you want something to eat? What would you like? Now the truth is, you really don't care what they give you. Even want to think about it. You just utter the word food. And because you really mean it, when you say you need food, it no longer has anything to do with your mental preferences. The same goes for the question about happiness. The question is simply, do you want to be happy? If the answer is really yes, then say it without qualifying it. After all, what the question really means is, do you want to be happy from this point forward for the rest of your life, regardless of what happens? Now if you say yes, it might happen that your wife leaves you, or your husband dies, or the stock market crashes, or your car breaks down on an open highway at night. Cancel all those thoughts. Those things yes. might happen between 
Those things might happen between now and the end of your life. But if you want to walk the highest spiritual path, then when you answer yes to that question, you must really mean it. There are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's not a question of whether your happiness is under... uh Uh-huh. Go for it. I, I would... I would substitute, I would remove the word happiness from this this whole topic because there are people who do really horrific things that are quite happy about what they've done and in human things, they're, they're not actually human. So recognizing that happiness is actually the result of a dopamine hit. When one achieves a goal, the body serves up a, a, a shot of dopamine, which has been called our happy powder. You know, someone who uses a lot of drugs because they're they're happy on drugs. What ha- and then and then when they they get to a certain point and they crash deep, 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 it's because they've used up all of their dopamine. Literally, the reserve of your dopamine is gone. There's no happy powder left, so now they're in deep depression, and that's why they need more drugs but there's not enough dopamine to present the high, so sooner or later they they burn out on the drugs as well. It's really not happiness that we want. That's really a pretty low-level goal. My offering would be, the word I would substitute there would be love. Do I want to function as a human being as love or not? And when I bring my humanness to a circumstance that would be what the world would consider disappointing, you know, the ones he described, which I'd rather not plant those mind energy seeds, but, you know, I, if, if I bring my human life love to those events, I can say I don't like this, I don't want this, but I don't have to sink into pain and depression because I'm still, I still have my human life. I haven't given that up yet. In the ancient teachings, holding to your human life in the, in, you know, if you look back in the scriptures, was called, when they said, seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. It wasn't a, a, a religious idea. It was seek to function as your human beingness. You know, the, king, the words kingdom of heaven is, are more properly translated from the Aramaic as the community of love. Seek your place in the community of love. Then everything else is taken care of, happiness and all the rest. But if you seek happiness, that's really a lower order. Seek to function as the truth of who you are, to to discover and to realize who you are and what your strengths and what your powers are and what your purpose is. Because another thing it's going to tend to bring us into that dopamine hit is when I align with who I really am and why I'm here, what's my real purpose? You know, there are lots of people who do all kinds of great accomplishments, but they're not happy and they're not enjoying their lives. You know, how many people are, you know, they say, oh, I want to make money. So they're making millions and they commit suicide. Why does that happen? Because they're not happy. Because the underlying purpose isn't being fulfilled. The underlying experience of functioning as a human being is not in the picture. And so my my take would be, you know, again, a refinement would be to be in pursuit of functioning out of, of discovering and functioning out of the truth of who I am as a human being. 
And then when I bring that to any party, the most disastrous party on the planet, I'm still connected with love and I will still function as a human being rather than get lost in the generational patterns of who knows what kind of aberrant behavior one can get lost in. So that would be my take on that one. Excellent point. I will attempt as I'm reading to do that switch from happiness to love as I'm reading. So... Um, there are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. It's not a question of whether your being love is under your control. Of course it's under your control. Well, it's actually just who you are regardless of what you do or what goes on. But It's just that you don't really mean it when you say you're willing to stay happy or stay in love. You want to qualify it. You want to say that as long as this doesn't happen or as long as that does happen, then you are willing, and here it would be willing to be happy that, you know, they're wanting their goal and uh, finding uh, unhappiness when their goal is not met. That's why it seems like it's out of your control. Any condition that you create will limit your joy or being loved. You simply aren't going to be able to control things and keep them the way that to give an unconditional answer. If you decide that you're going to be loved from now on for the rest of your life, you will not only be loved, but you will become enlightened. Unconditional. (laughs) This is really challenging to shift the words as I'm reading. Unconditional happiness or love is the highest technique there is. You don't have to learn Sanskrit or read any scriptures. You don't have to renounce the world. You just have to really mean it when you say that you choose to be loved. And if you have to mean it regardless of what happens, this is truly a spiritual path, and it is as direct and sure of a path to awakening as could possibly exist. Once you decide that you want to be love, something inevitable will happen that challenges you. This test of your commitment is exactly what stimulates spiritual growth. In fact, it is the unconditional aspect of your commitment that makes this the highest path. It's so simple, you just have to decide whether or not you will break your vow. When everything is going well, it's easy to be loved. But the moment that something difficult happens, it's not so easy. You tend to find yourself saying, but I didn't know that this was going to happen. I didn't think I'd miss my flight. I didn't think Sally would show up at the party wearing the same dress I had on. I didn't think that somebody would dent my brand new car one hour after I got it. Are you really willing to break your vow of being love because these events took place? Billions of things could happen that you haven't even thought of yet. The question is not whether they will happen. Things are going to happen. The real question is whether you want to be love regardless of what happens. The purpose of your life is to enjoy and learn from your experiences. You are not put on earth to suffer. You're not helping anybody by being miserable. 
Regardless of your philosophical beliefs, the fact remains you were born and cancel the thought you're going to die. During the time in between, you get to choose whether or not you want to enjoy the experience. Events don't determine whether or not you're going to be happy or going to be loved. They're just events. You determine whether or not you're going to be happy or be loved. You can be loved just to be alive. You can be loved, be happy, having all of these things happen to you, and then be loved even if you die. If you can live this way, your heart will be so open and your spirit will be so free that you will soar up to the heavens. I'm going to stop there and see if you have comment. I'm going to take a breath. It's challenging to to read and change words as you go along. I know you change words to songs and stuff constantly, but I'm not used to doing that. It's an old practice, that. and it takes practice. <laughs> it takes yeah. practice to change your thoughts in, in the middle of a stream for sure. So the um, the shift into being, there's a, uh, a paleontologist named Teilhard de Chardin. I studied de Chardin back in the, probably the 70s. And he had an interesting thought. And, and it was almost correct, and it's the thing that really keyed me into this principle. He said that, um, let me get my brain to this quote, joy is the infallible sign of the presence of God, God being love. Now, I changed that just slightly, but it was he that triggered my mind into this understanding with that thought. If, if in fact, joy were the infallible sign of the presence of love of God, then we'd be in joy all the time because there's no space, there's no place, there's no possibility of that energy not being present. So if we add one word to that statement from Teilhard de Chardin, and if you do a, a search, he's got an interesting... Uh, a couple of interesting presentations available that you might, you know, it'll it'll enhance brain cells. I, I don't actually remember much more than just that piece of it from way back then. There were other things that I learned from him and uh, gleaned from his teaching. I don't remember what they are right now because there's been so many different places that I've looked, but that one particular piece I do remember came directly from Deschardins. But if you do a Google search, you'll find that uh, there are several things available from him, and it's good foundation material for where we're going. And so the, the one word that needs to be added to that statement is that joy is the infallible sign of the awareness of the presence of God or of the presence of love. So when we recognize that we are the love, and we keep ourselves in conscious awareness. You know, I, I oftentimes talk about the urgency of spending time every day, every night, cultivating your relationship with love. You know, a good practice that I've found works for me 
especially, you know, if, if I've got something going on in my structure, you know, there's pain or some form of dysfunction, a good practice that I've found is just getting quiet breathing and sourcing, connecting to the presence of love and sending it to that part of my structure. Or if I've got an issue going on, stopping, taking a breath, and extending love to that perceptual structure in my mind. And as you cultivate yourself, your relationship with yourself as love, then it just becomes more and more natural to live as that presence in your life. And then people come along and say or do something that brings upset forward, and you go, oh, that brings upset forward, rather than you made me mad. You hurt me. Oh, here's some more of my upset. Oh, here's my insanity. You know, hostility and fear in any of its forms are insanity. It can be a really good practice when your hostility comes up to go. Instead of you, SOB, look what you did to me. You made me so mad. Instead of that, to take a breath and go, oh, here's another piece of my insanity. Why is my physiology producing hostility right now? Because I'm insane. I don't have the presence of love in me. That's insane. That is not a sane way to function. So just taking time each day, you know, whenever you've got a minute, just take a stop or, you know, going to sleep, waking up in the morning, awakening in the middle of the night and, you know, wanting to get back to sleep. Just focusing on breathing and presencing love in your tissue structure is a practice that will enhance your ability to bring, really truly bring active present love into your life, into your physiology. You know, for decades, I've always utilized the term conscious, active, present love. It's not, you know, the mamby-pamby thing that our culture teaks speaks of as love. There are several different silly-ass definitions, like, you know, sexual athletics. Ah, oh, that's love. Well, what a crock. But that's what the culture teaches. Or, oh, put your head down here on the chopping block and sacrifice yourself for me. Ah, oh, now there's love. No, it's not. That's stupidity. Function as love. Cultivate your relationships with yourself as love and you come to a true definition rather than the world's definitions that distract us. Love isn't something that you can even do. You can't do love. You either are it, you either bring conscious active present love into your daily life or it's somewhere off in space and you utilize one of the world's definitions and call that love. It's a it's a simple shift, yet a very significant one. You know, 3 o'clock in the morning, ah, can't go to sleep. Oh, so tap in. Where's the most tension in my physiology? Take a breath. I'm going to source, I'm going to connect to and extend love into that tissue and breathe into it and bring love present to that tissue. Oh, I just, you know, had this pain. What are you going to do? Oh, I'm going to breathe. I'm going to bring love present to that pain. Oh, there's this dysfunction going on in my body. I'm scared. Oh, so I'm going to bring love to that fear. I'm going to bring love. I'm going to literally send 
extend the energy of my true being of love to whatever part of my structure appears to be holding pain or trauma or injury. And as I cultivate that, it becomes first nature. And it's the first nature of each and every one of us. No matter how far down the food chain on behavior one is, you know, the most despicable person, it's no different than anybody else. Or they may have functioning differently, but in terms of their essence, there's no difference. And when I can bring my essence present, you know, a condition in a mind will tend to resonate that condition in other minds if there is a matching energy in those other minds. One of the things you can be absolutely assured of is that every human form that you meet has as its source conscious, active, present love. And when you choose to connect to that and be committed to that, sooner or later, you know, because of the law of resonance, you know, if I had a, a middle C tuning fork on a desk and I put a second middle C tuning fork in front of it, the second middle C tuning fork goes, can't go, uh, I don't think I'm going to resonate to that frequency today. That's its frequency. There's no choice about it. That's what's going to move. In exactly the same way, now someone can have all kinds of hate and rage and violence and viciousness and sanity and, you know, everything you could think of as crazy, murderous. Yes, people can have all of those energies and those frequencies in them, but it's not who they are. And so, the, you know, when, when Yeshua the physicist talks about a little leavening, leavens the whole loaf. My offering is, is what he's saying is, we don't have to get everyone who has violent, negative, painful, crazy, you know, stuff going on in their bodies or their minds or their emotions or their lives. We don't have to get every one of those. You know, if I thought, geez, you've got to go change every Hitler, every Stalin, every, I won't mention any other pol- political names right now. But if you had to go and fix every one of those minds, oh, my God, how, how huge would the task be? Fortunately, we don't have to. The physicist Yeshua understood what critical mass meant. A little leavening leavens the whole loaf. They're not talking about bread. They're saying be part of the leavening. Be one who lives out of, functions out of conscious act, present love, especially if your trauma comes up, especially if that person gives you the look and your mind goes, oh, such rage. Oh, no, my rage doesn't come up because of somebody giving me a look. My rage comes up because there's rage in me. And if there is, and I can soften into and breathe in presence love, then my rage will begin to heal, or my sadness, or my grief, or my fear, or whatever it is. Bring love to the party. The more disastrous the party is, the more important it is to bring love to that party, to that interaction. We have a hand up. Oh, great. Let's say hello. Awesome. I think that it is Terry. 828, you are on the air. Hey, Michael. Hey there, good sir. Hey, hey Jeannie. Hi. So, 
Thank you Apologies for, the, for missing the call last night. Yeah, that's okay. That's gonna. There's a lot going on on both sides of the table, and I I wanted yep. to comment. I, I dialed into the radio show just a few minutes ago, all about actually ten twelve minutes ago, and I had uh, been organizing and uh, looking at my next move, and uh, I felt a wave of joy come over me, <laughs> and then I hear you talking about joy, and and then uh, it's directly related to my ability to cancel a goal and in fact to cancel multiple goals and this was a a, a, a big piece that was hard for me to understand at first a little difficult because there's the to-do list oh yes i got my to-do list and this that, and the other and then you were saying it's fine to have a to-do list and then you have these uh um different uh, uh, items on your agenda, agenda, you know, your desires, what you want to achieve and all, but then you just select that particular goal and, like, load it into the computer for action. And and that one took a while for it to stick because now I can have a to-do list that's got 10, 20, 30 items on it, a huge number of items on it. And if I start engaging and locking in goals, which I do somewhat unconsciously, you know, with with some of them, oh, I need to do that, I need to do that, I need to do that. Next thing you know, my head's spinning around, and uh, I'm I'm, uh, not in a good place. I I take a breath and stop and then cancel all the goals. Okay, let's just reboot, so to speak. And so, and it works, and it just works. But it, you know, you got to work it. You got to do it every day. You got to practice it. There was a story about the guy. Well, it's true or not? I don't know. Presented this uh, little tool to Andrew Carnegie back in the day. He said, "I'm going to give you something that's going to change your life," and he gave him the to-do list. And Carnegie used it for 30 days. At the end of 30 days, he gave him $10,000 or something. That's the way the story goes. Well, it's true or not, I don't know. So one of the things that they didn't expand on was that I believe that if the guy was using his to-do list, he was taking one thing, setting that goal in action, and once he achieved or canceled that goal, he was doing it kind of unconsciously, you know. So he was able right. to work his goals. And that, that wasn't really explained as to how the success goes. Everybody knows about a to-do list. It's not the to-do list. It's the way you manage that to-do list, which is what you teach and in a beautiful way. And I wanted to just explain that. So I can't yeah. – go ahead. Yeah. Actually, you're not managing your to-do list. You're managing your mind through your to-do list. <laughs> Yeah, man, it's like, you know, let's imagine (laughs) I'm getting getting cold. I'm in my room and I'm getting cold and I want it to get warm. Now, with technology, we're getting to the point where I could just shout and say, hey, um, air conditioner, turn off, and and it would turn off. But but otherwise, I've got to go to the thermostat and I've got to change the temperature. So the, Mm -hmm. the... Furnace is controlled, the air conditioner is controlled through indirection. Can't do it directly. You have to have a mechanism, a tool. And that's exactly the same. The mind is only controlled 
through indirection. And the thermostat is the goal. And by managing your goals, you're managing your mind. By canceling your, if you, and if you remember, the, this is from the uh, personal code evaluation, the five things, the, the faculty of will, it's a spiritual faculty that we're working with people to develop with that um, use of will and the mind goal management sheet because it is the strengthening of will, the spiritual faculty, and the yeah. rounding out of will. If you remember the mind goal management sheet, there are five oh, different things yeah. that will can do. And you just mentioned one of them by you can call up a goal for immediate attention. That's actually part of the spiritual faculty of will. Or I can cancel a goal. Or I can select a goal for immediate attention. Or I can frame a goal or I can set a goal. If I practice all of those things, then I'm strengthening my will, which means I'm strengthening my ability to manage my mind, and I do it by managing my goals. Most people don't manage their goals or their minds. Their minds manage them. Exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. Well, it's a it's a, an enormous piece of information so, so for fun. somebody who has no brain cells for what we're yeah. talking about. It's like, you know, is that, what are you even talking huge. about? Yeah. yeah. It's a big key in life. He'll start saying, oh, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And it doesn't know. It doesn't know anything. It's like, hold on. Let's really look at this. So let me give you one more little piece here of, uh, of uh, uh, I sent you a little, a little bit of money yesterday as a little uh, expression of appreciation. I got that. Thank you. And I want I, I to tell you why. <laughs> I went in the bank, and there's this one particular bank that I detest. I just really detest. I got a lot of work to do around this bank. You mean so one that gives you opportunity to learn forgiveness? Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back what in there give. more often. <laughs> so, so I'm in there, and they're presenting me with just this big old juicy opportunity and I'm starting to crank it up and I'm I'm bellowing and I was like and I, I, I said and, they're, and they're, they're looking at me and I finally said okay while you work on this I'm going to go put myself in time out and I put myself in time out that's great here. yeah and then while I was in time out I opened up a Y again app okay and I did a worksheet around this whole little situation. And I said, you know, I know I'm playing a game with my mind and all but this works. I'm going to send my clinics to And sure, I cancel them and go, let it go. Sure enough, he calls me over and says, okay, sir, you're ready. And I'm like, what? He said, yeah, you're ready to go. So I said, by golly, I'm going to appreciation. Yeah. And so that, that was just well, beautiful. that's great. And I so, love it. Yeah. And also, see, I've got the same resistance against the online worksheets. I guess I have about everything that's newly presented to my mind that is conflicting with my data. But, you know, I'm applying that same rule. Keep doing it until you want to do it. So I've, I've gotten across the line to where I enjoy doing them, and they're, you know, and I'm getting it because at first I was like, this is stupid. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do this, but it's not going to work. Let me just do it anyway. I don't want to, you know, that whole dialogue was going on. But I had a beautiful experience with it. 
And that's that's the second time now because I'd already had a previous experience where I, I popped off three worksheets in the um, uh, app, and, you know, and I felt that little shift. And I was like, okay, well, all right, there must be something to this. You know? And so I knew it was anyway all along a part of me, but, you know, that, that big, the big R. Uh, but that was just a beautiful example, and then um, to come around here it really and, is. and hit that joy button, and then, oh, I, I noticed what time it was. Now, I'm going to go sit down and join the radio show. Well, I love that I idea. Is, this, is it copyrighted? Can I use this idea of putting yourself in timeout? I think that's great. <laughs> Yeah, babe, I think they started that with the kindergartner. <laughs> yep. I just had to put myself in timeout. Like, it kind of breaks that tension, too, when a big old burly bear is putting himself in timeout, you know. Like, right, right. Like I, know I, I know I'm out of control. I'm going into timeout before I get really stupid. <laughs> well, and you know what? Uh, another thought around that, you know, Julie Haverstick in her book, uh, Healing yeah. Children, Loving Children, what she did, she never, she didn't have a timeout chair in her classroom. She had a love chair. And if there was a kid that was in upset and disturbance uh, and pain and trauma, oh. and the yeah. kids would do this for themselves, what she'd do is everybody in the class knew that this was a love chair. Yeah. And and if one of the kids was in, you know, came in in the morning, there'd been a big yeah. fight at home with mom or dad, and, and go sit in that chair, she had everybody in the classroom doing the love exchange with that kid. If a yeah. kid got on a in class, they didn't go to timeout, they went to the love chair, and everybody knew to send love to that kid. I mean, how different would our world be if that was the principle we lived by? Yeah. Rather than let's punish everybody that little knew. SOB. Yeah. yeah, the stuff is up. I'm going to the love chair. Yep. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. I, like that my, I haven't thought about that in a long time, but that's that's what Julie created out of the work uh, in her classroom. Yeah, that's, that's and her analogy pretty cool. The thermostat was, was really good. I appreciated that. Yeah, indirection. Yeah. yeah, you can't tell the mind. You can't force the mind to do something. It's like futile. You know. Oh yeah, I'm going to quit that. You know that chocolate. I'm going to quit that sugar. I'm going to quit that drink. I'm going to quit that. Oh yeah, right. Good luck. <laughs> Not likely to happen. But if you cancel the goals that create the stress, that create the craving, bingo. All of a sudden, yeah. you got charge of your mind. So, great. Thanks for bringing that up. It's an important point. I think that's, as I said, when I started the show today, I'm, I'm looking forward to what comes up to to open the space. And this isn't one that I would have explained like this, and I wouldn't have learned about putting yourself in timeout. <laughs> so that's awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. it I love it. And I appreciate I do the donation. That's helpful, too. Yeah. I hope you get lots yeah. and lots and lots and lots more of those opportunities, Terry. <laughs> yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Every time fabulous. you get a little ding on your phone, you'll know that I just was able to work through something. Yeah. You went and sat yourself down in the love chair and <laughs> did your thing. Yeah, love chair. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, I look forward to, uh, to sharing... Uh, Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing with you on Saturday, being part of that workshop, and uh, oh, yeah. we'll, uh, 
you've got you get your mind shifter. You got the list from Jeannie. Mm-hmm. So you know what? Uh, I forget what numbers you selected the other day. I don't know. It was something thirteen, but cool, awesome. Well, any other thoughts for you, sir? No, I'm good for right now. All right, you have a blessed one, Terry. Appreciate you. You too, buddy. We'll talk again soon. Alrighty, take care. Bye bye. Bye. I love it. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> Putting yourself in time out. Cool. Does that bring anything up for you, Jeannie? <laughs> no, I had uh, actually, I was trying to remember who it was. Somebody that, uh, oh, the young lady that we play her song at the beginning of the radio show. Um, right. Mary Redante. And she had right. posted on Facebook, this has been several years ago, that she got up, you know, one morning quote, unquote, on the wrong side of the bed, and her partner took her and set her in the living room, and he says, you're in timeout until you can reconnect. <laughs> so I had heard that before. That's cute. Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, does that bring anything up for anybody else? We've got about 12 minutes, 10 minutes. Ten. So if anybody's got a yeah. thought or a question or... If that resonates anything for you, push one. Let's talk about it. And or if you're on one of those stations where we can't see you in our control panel, if you call the show on your phone, the number is 563-999-3581. If you call that number, you're listening to the show directly. And then if you push one, that raises a hand in the control panel, and we'll be having a conversation. And I'd love to talk with you. So, Somebody push one. Let's talk about it. By the way, uh, in just a couple of hours, let's see, at 3.30 Eastern Time, it's now 1.45, so at 3.30 Eastern Time, we'll be doing the Hear My Voice Book Club. We're doing Chapter 6 from the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And if you want to join us, you can go to either Jeannie or my Facebook page. The link is there. You can go to the events tab on why is this happening to me again. If you go to our website, whyagain.org. And I'm sure that Jeannie has already probably put it in the notes. So if you want to join us in just a little while, we're going to do Chapter 6 in the book. Why is this happening to me again? And what you can do about it. And I don't even at this moment. You know, and the the uh, the chapter is what is reality. So we're going to be talking about the difference between reality and actuality. And we appreciate Yinka a lot. Yinka is the lady that runs the Hear My Voice Book Club out of London, England. They actually do it at 8.30 in the evening there, and we often have people oh, from all over the world, from all over Europe, uh, Asia, lots of different folks. So come and join us. And if you want to catch up with where we're at, we've done chapters 1 through 5. We've done a full session each week on that. You can go to our YouTube channel, and to do that, Again, go to whyagain.org, whyagain.org, and you'll see a link to you know the 
social media links. Click Facebook, or pardon me, click YouTube. I'll take your YouTube channel. And there are videos of each of the sessions that we've done with the book. We've done several videos where we've walked somebody through a whole worksheet, so if you want instructions on using the worksheet. And then we've also got the previous, I'm not sure even how many sessions, but we we did a, uh, a few pages from the book. We, we took it over time, and so there are videos where we've done the, the whole book and now we're in the book club and we're taking out instead of just doing a piece or doing several chapters at a time, we're doing one chapter at a time to get in depth a little more. So come join us at 3.30. And beyond that, if you have a question for us, push one. Let's talk about it. How can we support you? And then this Saturday is uh, Still Point Breathing, so if you want to participate in that, let us know, and we'll get you registered and yep. find out and send you information yep. of how to set up your camera. And Mind shifters, yep. Yeah, we're doing that. Uh, it'll be Saturday and Sunday. We do it at 11 o'clock. And depends. We've got a small group, so it depends how much processing work there is to be done. Usually on Saturday, it's usually around a three-hour session. And then Sunday, again, depends how many questions come up, how much processing there is to be done. But 11 o'clock Eastern Time, both days, is the Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing session. We also do that on Zoom, so it's videoed, so that if you're a participant, you've always got that to go back to. You'll have a copy of that video of the workshop itself, and so it makes a nice archive for yourself. We don't make the uh, Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing workshops available, uh, except to the folks who are part of that program. And the program is set up that you can, you know, gee, I want to try it. You can do one session. Or, well, I'm going to make a little bigger commitment. I'll do three sessions. You can do three months. Or you can set up to do a year. And there is a, it is one of the fee-based things. It's one of the ways we keep this work going. You know, the radio show, we don't get paid to do it. We pay to do it. And so the uh, Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing is one of the ways that we help to keep this whole project, you know, a 20,000-page website, radio show, YouTube, all of it going. And so if you want to do just a single session, it's 150. That includes two videos and a set of Mind Shifters, uh, three, pardon me, three different sets of Mind Shifters. And if you want to do three months, then instead of being 150 per month, for the, for the session. It's 125 each for three sessions. And then if you want to do a year, want to do it's a really nice community that has developed around it. We've got a couple of folks who just finished out their year. Uh, but there's, there's a really powerful, trusting community that's developed around it. And so it makes for a space for a, a real foundation for advanced growth. And so you can register and do the year, and it's 900 for the year. So, so if you're interested in doing that, and if you just try it out once, or you do the three months, and you decide you want to do the year, we'll prorate it so that you know every session you do is on the least expensive level. So, and it's a way to support this work, a way to help to uh, to move it forward. And so, Miss Jeannie, we have everybody in the phone keeping the hand up, or anything happening in the chat room. 
no. Um, okay, I was just I just got a text from somebody. Let's see. Oh, okay. Um, Terry was needing the email, so I'll be sure and resend that as soon as I get off. And uh, nope, nobody else has a hand up. And we're down to just over three minutes. Well, how close are you to the end of the chapter that you were reading in Michael's book? Oh, I just started it, so we're ah, okay. by the ways, yeah. All right, well, then let's just express appreciation for everybody who's been here. Thank you, Terry, for that uh, that good laugh and uh, and that idea. Awesome. Much appreciation, everybody. Create the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. You're equipped to do it, and the world needs it, so let's go for it. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pache as we present the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on Mind Shifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Full by law. 18 plus. conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC.